Uh, so this shot is this like Plan B for pigs or something like that? Yeah, it's a it's a okay. that it's basically an abortion shot for pigs. Gotcha. All right, I, I forget what it was called, but okay, interesting. I didn't know that such a thing existed, but I can see where uh, it it could be necessary, I suppose. Yeah, um, and yeah. apparently two doses really are necessary. <laughs> That's why they give you two, is because yeah. they're both needed. Got it. Uh-huh. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead. Thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. You'll come to your farm to help and to wander. Me and the family. A truck and an RV send us a message and there will be this is the farm hop life podcast a traveling homestead family i'm matt derosier tonight my guest is zach at victory illinois on twitter zach lives with his wife elise and their two kids in the driftless region of wisconsin they raise alpaca pigs chickens and goats and are learning on the fly um, that's nice that your wife lets you live with her. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about her. <laughs> that's very nice of her. And you have like six pigs for sale coming up in October, so that's neat. That's true. Yeah. Um, got a little bit of interest in them so far, but if if anyone out there wants a pig, um, hit me up. Okay. Twitter. So, so let's let's. I, I'm confused for some reason. I always thought you lived in Illinois. And obviously your sweatshirt says that you live in Illinois, but you're telling me you live in Wisconsin. That's true. Yeah. Um, Blowing my mind right now. So uh, I, I lived in Illinois. I was, I was, I was born in Illinois, lived there as a kid uh, for most. Well, yeah, I guess I was in Texas for a couple of years, but then uh, back to Illinois and then over to Albania in Eastern Europe as a missionary kid for a while and then back to Illinois, went to college at university of Illinois, which is where I met my wife and fell in love with, uh, Illini basketball. And then, um, and then we went to, uh, Peoria, Chicago, back to Champaign before coming up to Wisconsin. So, um, I'm what's known as a, a fib, which, um, the I it's an acronym. The I stands for Illinois and the B stands for bastard. And I'll let you, put the rest together but that's ah. something that wisconsinites affectionately call people from illinois um so i i've moved up here um but i i still i still carry a torch for that's funny Illini. yeah uh how did you settle in wisconsin then um why wisconsin um good question uh so my family is all based in Chicago now. We we weren't from there originally, but that's where everyone kind of landed. 
and Elise and I were living in Champaign. Um, well, actually, I'll back up a little bit. We lived in Chicago, and we uh, we took a trip to Europe. Um, I took my family back, to, or Elise and the kids back to Albania for the first time. Back back for me, first time for them. When we came back to Chicago, it was the first time since we had lived there that we got back and like weren't happy to be home. Mm. Normally, it's always like, "Oh, sweet home, Chicago," but this time it was like, "Oh, this this kind of sucks." So we decided we were going to move. Kind of wanted to move out to the country, but weren't sure where. So instead, we moved to Champaign because it's cheaper to live there than in Chicago. And we thought we'll live there a little while while we figure things out. Um, we always wanted to stay kind of close to Chicago, at least like to where grandparents could come for a long weekend. Um, so we looked around different Indiana, uh, Kentucky. We looked at some places in Illinois, but um, things were generally more expensive in Illinois. Plus the property taxes are a lot higher there. So we landed on uh, Wisconsin because when the pandemic started a couple years ago and Illinois had its first stay at home order, uh, I panicked a little bit and ran to Menards and bought a bunch of lumber um, so that I would have something to do while I was at home for what at the time was supposed to be two weeks. Um, right. And I, and I also listened to uh, James Howard Kunstler's book while I was building a workbench with all this lumber. Um, what book was it? Oh, Living in the Long Emergency. Mm. Um, and he talked about the driftless region of Wisconsin in the first interview in that book with, with Mark Shepard. Gotcha. Okay. That kind of piqued my interest. And so a month or so later, Elise and I came up here because Wisconsin was still somewhat open at the time uh and it was our anniversary so we came up here to check it out and just like it was a quick one night trip um and we kind of fell in love with the place like one thing led to another we came back two more times and decided to move here uh it's close enough to chicago that our families can can come visit especially grandparents can come visit pretty often um but it's a beautiful area uh lots of deep river valleys it's called the driftless because there are no no glaciers that ever covered this region up unlike much okay. of the west the glaciers kind of scraped everything flat leveled leveled the valleys and hills and sure this part of wisconsin iowa a little bit of minnesota a little bit of illinois uh got missed and so mm -hmm. you can be up in the cornfields and it, the horizon is relatively flat but then you go down into these valleys and it almost looks like you're in uh, Kentucky or something. It's, it's really wild. Um, I'm trying to get, get an idea of where this is. Cause like I heard about this area of Wisconsin listening to, is it Peter Allen who has Macedon? Yeah. Right. That's, yep. that, he lives yeah. 10 minutes down the road from me. No kidding. Yeah. That's well, awesome. Mark lives five minutes down the road from me. Um, Dude. and that was just a happy accident, but it, it's kind of cool. I've got. I'd say so. Great resources. <laughs> Real did they did, did they put on the Doomer Optimism Camp, or did it, did that one not happen yet? No, that did happen. So I, Peter hosted it. He did most of the work um, the day of, and I just kind of coordinated getting people um, there. So nice. 
Um, How was it? It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, a couple of the, so let's see, there were people from Milwaukee, Chicago, Twin Cities. Uh, we had a group of maybe 20-ish plus some kids. Um, it was just bas- basically a one-day thing, and it was a lot of fun. We connected with some people um, from the area. So, like, the the next weekend, I think uh, it was my, my wife and Peter's wife and, and another cu- couple that we met um, got together, and our kids played it up at the Dragon Park in Viroqua. Nice. Uh, and so got some got some new relationships, new friends that came out of it. Yeah. Have you met Peter before this or no? Or Mark? Was Mark there? No, Mark wasn't there. Um, I met Peter a little bit before this, but in the context of, hey, uh, we're maybe going to do this get together. Um, You want to meet up and talk about some details. So I hadn't met him before the camp was an idea. Okay. Um, Huh. That's a good icebreaker. Yeah. Kind of cool. Mm hmm. Sweet. And then Mark, I've I've met him a couple times uh, at a different thing down down the road. Uh, there's a croquet club that plays every Friday, and um, I go there pretty regularly. And and he's he's been there a couple times, so I I run into him there. Mark, Mark you played croquet with Mark Shepard. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> he's better than me. I mean, he's probably just has time on his hands at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think farmers really do that much. Probably not. Like yeah, they just yeah, they just come on to podcasts and talk about trying to sell their pigs and stuff. Yep. Um. So let's let's get into it uh, for real. Uh, how did you get started homesteading? Well, um, do you call yourself a homesteader or a farmer? I. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't call myself a farmer yet, but I, I will as soon as I sell these pigs because then I will have a profitable farm enterprise. There you go. Um, I, like it. I won't feel fake calling myself a hog farmer and I'll, I'll qualify, you know, but my uncle Dave right. hog farmer. And so I, I, I always feel like, you know, I, I gotta be honest with myself cause we've got like real farmers in the family. The uh, syndrome thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it's just a hobby until you make money. a certain threshold. Um, right, right. But yeah, so uh, we got into this. I don't know. It's it, The, the idea has been kind of percolating for a long time. Like we got married 15, 14 years ago. I should know which one it is. Um, but uh, I think it was 14 years ago. And got real into gardening kind of right away, but we were super poor and the idea of actually buying land was like a pipe dream. So we didn't even think about it. Uh, and then, you know, life took some different turns. We ended up in Chicago for a while, not a lot of farming opportunities there, although there are some, uh, surprisingly. Um, I'd say, I'd say we, we got into it when, um, after after we got back from that vacation uh, to Albania, d- realized that uh, so in, in Albania, like one of the main things that just was stunning to us the whole time is like the natural beauty that place is off the charts. Hmm. Um, 
I mean, everything you know about like Croatia as a as a vacation spot also applies yes. to Albania, uh, really? Greece, Italy. It like it's all the same kind of topography, and um, and so it's it's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple of pictures. Yeah. That's yeah. So we it looks so, underrated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great place to go. It's it's not very expensive at this point, so not anymore. Travel on a on a budget but anyway yeah being in albania coming back i think kind of sparked a renewed interest for us in moving out to the country being somewhere where um you know it's beautiful there's quiet there's dark skies that was a big thing i mean you can see behind me it's very dark um and it's actually it looks like you're in front of a, like a black screen or something like that like yeah. nothing <laughs> super anon yeah <laughs> right at least i don't have my face blacked out yeah, so we um that I'd say that was the spark and then kind of like we like I mentioned earlier we kind of stumbled in across this area and decided to take the plunge. I think the pandemic and the our our town in Illinois, Champaign really shut down like hard. Like I it, I know it varied a lot from place to place, but Champaign was um was rough. There's just nothing was open for a long time. I mean, the church that we go that we went to there, uh, I think, is still not back to normal. Um, and it's just like this. So that all that made it easier for us to feel like we weren't leaving really anything behind. It, it, the one thing we were leaving behind was a handful of friends that friendships that had grown even closer over the pandemic because they were kind of like our our group, our crew. Right. Um, but. But as far as the town or, you know, whatever, it, it was like, well, <laughs> this place sucks now. It's a good time to try something new. And that's that's kind of where we got our our start. So you kind of did like a little bit of gardening while you were there. And then um, I yeah. mean, what. So how long have you been in Wisconsin then? Only a couple of years, uh, a year and a couple of months. Gotcha. Yeah, man, you. um you really stepped it up if it's only been like, let's just say like a year and a half and you have all that you have. Uh, how, what's your, what's your acreage like? Uh, we have seven and a half acres. Um, we've got a shed that is like, it's, I don't know how big it is. It's, it's pretty big. Uh, it's a third of it is portioned off for like animals. The rest is concrete pad and I have my wood shop in there, but, um, and my office for work. And then we've got, when we moved here, there were three pastures, maybe a total of two acres that were fenced with really crappy fencing. And the rest is pretty overgrown. Um, and part, maybe a quarter of it is pretty swampy. Um, so we don't use all of it. I've got the pigs in the swampy part now. Uh, they like Do it. Do they just love it? Yeah. Yeah. They, they are digging me a pond. So, turning the swamp into a pond that's a good touch i like yeah. that that's uh is that is that something mark shepherd would want or am i thinking of a different uh different guy who's the Austri austrian guy um i don't man. know sepp holzer that's what i'm thinking of i'm not sure that's okay with him. um so i guess uh why like what motivates you to grow your own food? Um, 
that's a good question. There's certainly there's a like a little bit of a prepper kind of aspect to it. Um, the I wouldn't say that's the main driving force. I would uh, grow it growing. So for one thing, I just enjoy gardening. Um, although I realize I don't actually enjoy gardening so much as planting a garden. Um, the maintenance but, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it turns out I'm really enjoying having animals and taking care of animals. So part of it is just fun. It's a kind of a hobby, uh, a big hobby, but as far as uh, motivation for growing food, I think a lot of it is like I would if I, I would prefer to buy like the highest like pork from Acorn Bluff Farms. They're you know they're on Twitter and they yeah they've um, got a they're coming up soon and we got them scheduled I think for an interview yeah nice so like I'd prefer to buy the highest quality food and eat that because I I enjoy it I I think it's important um to be cognizant of what what we put in our bodies and also how how food is produced and how that affects the world um but i don't know like i've i've got a a good job and make decent money but i don't know that i could justify to myself like spending as much as it would cost to buy like whole foods and and boutique meats and and stuff I don't think they're like, I think it's worth it. Um, but part of, I don't know if it's just like, I've just got this frugal sense that I can't bring myself to spend that much money on, on food or what, but, um, I mean, it would really add up. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm loosely keeping track of our expenses with the pigs. Um, and, and I think I'm easily going to come out to where the cost for the pigs is really low for the amount of food we get out of them, especially with selling some of these piglets. And the quality of the, the meat is going to be really high. Plus, I I know that these pigs had a great time until the very last second. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all those things are, are motivators for me. Did you mention what kind of breed of pig they are? I don't know if I did, but they are, um, the ones I have are a cross between Mangalitsa and Duroc. Oh, uh, nice. Okay. The Mangalitsa is the part I was really excited about. I, um, was on the fence of getting between getting purebreds and getting these crosses. And, uh, I got them from Acorn Bluff. Okay. Um, and Keenan told me, uh, that, you know, maybe getting the crosses would be good as a first, first time. Thing because they'll get to wait a lot faster okay and so the idea is i wouldn't have to overwinter pigs the first time around um and then uh i screwed up the the shot that i was supposed to give the the pigs when i got them home because, well let me back up a little bit so when i picked up the pigs keenan told me it's like hey they might have been bred they were with a boar uh and they might be old enough. So if you want, you can roll the dice and maybe have piglets. And if not, I can give them a shot. And then you take this and give them another dose tomorrow. So I, I landed on like, okay, I'll, I'll 
Uh, Piglets would be fun, but let's play it safe here. So he gave him the sh- gave him the shot, gave me instructions, gave me the the stuff I needed, and then I got back here and uh, successfully injected one pig and screwed it up the other one and just decided, well, I'll see what happens. And what happened was she was pregnant and had piglets, so now I have to overwinter pigs. Um, anyway, but I'm looking gotcha. forward to it. And you, I told so, the whole story because I want to make sure that it's clear that it was my fault, not Keenan's. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so this shot is this like Plan B for pigs or something like that? Yeah, it's a it's a okay. that it's basically an abortion shot for pigs. Gotcha. All right, I, I forget what it was called, but okay, interesting. I didn't know that such a thing existed, but I can see where uh, it it could be necessary. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and all, apparently two doses really are necessary. <laughs> That's why they give you two is because yeah. they're both needed. Got it. Uh-huh. Um, so with your, with your setup at your place, like what kind of like practices, methods, or like techniques do you have? Like, do you like have like permaculture guilds or do anything permaculture like swales, hoop culture, anything like that? Um, Nothing, nothing like swales or any of the things you were talking about there. Uh, we, we've got, we are uh, working on sectioning off our pastures so that we can do uh, rotational grazing. We have five alpaca and three goats plus the pigs and the chickens. And so the alpaca are, are the main pasture animals, but um, I, we, we're going to try doing like mop concentrated mob grazing yes uh, with them um i mean we our chickens are free range we have two big livestock guardian dogs who do a great job of keeping all predators away we've never had any predator problems at all um in the last year plus and uh and so the chickens just wander around all day and I'm sure we lose some eggs that way, but, um, but then they, they all put themselves to bed at night and right. even left the coop wide open at night and nothing get comes and gets in. Um, we rotate our goats around to just do weed maintenance, uh, in various spots. We've got a Creek that starts in our property right in front of our house. And, and, the, and then the ravine behind it is fairly overgrown as well. So we run them through there and then um, kind of the other marginal areas uh, of the property. And then the pigs just have a big area in the kind of the swampy end of the property where, where they live. So um, one thing that I, I'm starting to do is plant some uh, several apple trees and then a few bigger like nut tree, uh, like some oaks and some chestnuts. Although I've been told that the chestnuts aren't going to make it here because it's it's a little too cold for them. So we'll see. Mm. Get lucky, probably not. Um, <laughs> but uh, some hazelnuts. I'm I'm loosely following some some stuff that is in uh, Mark Shepard's book for the kind of layout of the apple trees and the hazelnuts and the nut trees. Um. Hopefully in like 40 years, I'll have um, some decent sized trees throughout the pastures 
and can run animals through, uh, you know, harvest, ha have the animals eat a lot of the stuff that drops from the trees, but then have something left to harvest uh, for ourselves too. I was just curious if there was a method to your madness. Um, what is, first question, is it weird being that close to Merck Shepherd? Like, or is no. you just like, no, that's just a great resource that I have five minutes away. Yeah, I, I mean, no, it's not, most of the time I like don't even notice that. He's uh, just another guy. Is there. Yeah, another, I, mean, I, I don't run into him very often. Um, I, I did talk to him last time I saw him at Croquet about maybe going over to help out for a day. Um, I'm taking a couple of weeks off work to catch up on some projects and thought maybe I could go like work a day there. They're, I think they're harvesting apples. Hazelnuts are coming up pretty soon. Um, so I think that'd be kind of fun and oh yeah, good opportunity to get to know him a little better. When you said like you were taking some of the like fruit and I think you said fruit and nut trees out of like what Mark Shepard's doing, mm -hmm. what kind of uh, specific things did he mention in that book that you're trying to do? Yeah, he talks about um, kind of a planting pattern of, of interspersing apple trees, hazelnut shrubs, um, I think raspberries and grapes in there, which I haven't started on that. And then larger, like oak, chestnut. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, in to create a multi-story kind of. Uh, okay, to get your layers of the canopy. Or, yeah, like a basically like a food forest, but gotcha. Okay, relatively in rows, so that there's there's kind of a organizational structure to it. Sure. And that gotcha. seems easy to try because I, there's like, I, I bought a ton of little one foot, uh, bare root whips, uh, at the County the County has a tree sale in the spring and it's like 25 bucks or 20 bucks for a bundle of 25 trees. And so there you go. Got yeah. A hundred trees and maybe half of them survived so far. I keep cutting them down cause I forget where they are. Finally decided I should probably <laughs> mark them. Uh, whoops yeah whoops, whoops but i'm all you know i'm only out 30 to 50 bucks so it's not it doesn't you're feel, only out feel. 30 to 50 bucks today but in 40 years like you were talking about you'd be out millions well i don't think about it like that that would be <laughs> a downer <laughs> um so what what kind of things and you can you can do like you can call back to some of like your experience growing food like in illinois as well um what have you tried that worked well uh what have i tried that worked well well i've i've had really good luck with um both in champagne when in our little backyard and then here so far with these you know super cheap bare root uh, trees and shrubs, they, they seem to be really easy to get going. Um, both because we are already acclimated to the climate or I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I should qualify this with, by saying like, 
in Illinois and here, the soil is really good and uh, generally we get plenty of rain. So um, you have to be pretty bad at planting things and, and growing things to, to fail. Sure. Uh, so that might just be like, that might be really my advice is um, if you want to have a good garden, make sure to do it in Illinois or Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've had good luck with raised beds. I've, I've got a, I've built raised beds with uh, both in Champaign and here. And um, those have worked out really pretty well. Um, Can I ask a dumb question? Yeah, go for it. If you have such good soil, why do you do raised beds? Uh, and how high are your raised beds? They're like three feet, I think. No, no, no. Two two feet high, three feet deep, three feet like, yeah, deep this way. Okay, I got you. Um, they well, easy. It's easier to control the, uh, the soil that's in there, and and the soil that's really good for my plants and trees is also really good for weeds. Uh, so raised beds eliminate some of the weeding load. Um, stuff can't creep into them. Uh, rabbits were a big problem in Champaign and it seemed to keep them out. So gotcha. Okay. And I wanted to try it, which is, that's really the driving force between most of the decisions I'm, I make is I just kind of want to try this. Me too. I get yeah. how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just curious, like, so then how did, like, what did you use for fill in your raised beds to just like take shovels of yep. like, topsoil and just throw it in a raised bed and yeah keep adding wood chips or something like that i guess to retain moisture or something i don't know in champagne i ordered some topsoil from the the look like the city landscape supply place uh here i just well i, I foolishly uh I, I think you're going to ask me about what it, what's not gone well, so I'll say most yes. of this for that. But I, I foolishly scraped off a bunch of topsoil of where I wanted to plant my garden. So I had a big pile of that. So I just dumped that into the raised beds um, here. But uh, and that did yeah, work. Now, now we've got compost from, from the chickens and alpaca. And so I'm topping, actually today I started topping off the raised beds in front of our house with that. Nice. Um, so I think next year it's going to be, it, it'll be great. Like the only problem is, uh, it turns out the sun doesn't hit the front of the house until like afternoon. So mm. everything you plant there is going to be like shade tolerant, right? Uh, flowers. And then I, I put some trellises up the front of the house and our, our beans and cucumbers have done really well climbing those. So that's they're coming out of the raised beds and going up the front of the house. They're tied into our deck, which is kind of off the front inside of the house. So at least we'll get some vegetables out of those raised beds, but mostly they're there for aesthetic reasons now because they just don't get enough sun to sure produce a lot. Gotcha. So the, the scraping of the topsoil to use in your raised beds that didn't work or it did work. Turns out it's actually a bad idea. Why is that? Um, because when you want to plant a garden and you scrape off all the topsoil, 
there's not a lot left for the plants to grow in. So it worked Where well. You scraped it from. Yeah. Okay. Which was the garden. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you have like you're just your regular garden, and then you also have raised beds as well. Got it. Yeah, the regular gardens okay. across the creek, um, and the, it's it's pretty good size, and uh, that's where like our idea was like that's where we'll, where we'll plant a bunch of potatoes and tomatoes and uh, stuff that we want to just grow a ton of and preserve. Like we had a bunch of garlic out there too. Um, and then by the house, we were going to have more of like the kitchen garden where it's like, we'll plant eggplant. We want some eggplant, but not 400 eggplants. Um, we want maybe cherry tomatoes. We want some of those for salads, but we're not going to put up cherry tomatoes like we will with sure. the paste tomatoes that we make sauce with. So that, that plan still holds. We just got to make a new garden in the front yard in a sunnier spot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we already touched on it. What hasn't worked well other than scraping, like robbing topsoil from your garden? Uh, well, that, that's a big one. Um, so I, I, I had vaguely, I was vaguely aware of using cardboard to compost, uh, in a garden and like to, to kill the grass so you could plant on top of it. But I didn't do yes. any research. I just took that vague awareness. And when we moved here, I said, oh, we got all these cardboard boxes. I'll save them and put them on the garden. So what I did was I laid them all on top of the grass in the fall. And I put like some branches and rocks on them to hold them down. Mm -hmm. um, and then what they did was they mostly blew away because I didn't put enough <laughs> weight on them. And so I had trash all over. And then uh, my plan B was to take the tractor and the brand new box blade that I just bought and scrape all the grass off so that I could plant. But what came up with the grass was most of the topsoil. So like there's still soil there, but it, it gets pretty rocky pretty fast. So dang. Yeah. So it was really stupid. And like none, none of our, plants did as well as they should have because uh they just didn't have enough to i mean there's that area over there is like the rocks are all sandstone and so what soil is there is kind of sandy sure okay so um fortunately there's a horse farm down the road and and they can't um get rid of the horse manure that they've got all over the place fast enough so i can just go get it for free and um sweet and pile it on the garden and I'll have tons of fertility in no time, but. Uh, that's a, that's an awesome resource as well. Yeah. 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 Just, just takes time to recover. I suppose yeah. that's all, that's all it is. Um, man, if that was only your biggest failure, I think you're doing pretty good or it like a notable failure and maybe not quite the biggest, but yeah. What else? We we had we got these two livestock guardian dogs and for the longest time um could not figure out how to keep them on the property. Mm, we put okay. them in fenced in pasture, but um one of them can climb gates, no problem. And so they're they're too big to really jump. They're not very athletic dogs, but they 
the one can climb. So uh, their names are Kofi and Georgie, named after uh, two Illinois big men from a couple teams a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> but they, so Georgie's the climber. Kofi is kind of the, um, I don't know. He's 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 the hardest worker of the two. Um, and and we put the like we tried doing the shot collar that with the buried wire except we didn't bury it we just ran it around the fence kind sure, of okay. around the top so what we learned is that kofi really enjoys chewing that and breaking it and then georgie just climbs out so between the two of them they were always jailbreaking georgie and and we'd lose him so many like he'd, he'd get out he wouldn't go far because he wanted to stay close to kofi but um it took us many iterations. We tried all kinds of things. I, I fixed that stupid wire in the dead of winter, probably like 20 times. Um, so that was, that was a painstaking process. We finally figured out that running just a hot wire along the top of the fence line and, and the gates was mm -hmm. enough um, to keep both of them in. Okay with the one exception of when we left a gate open and turns out that they got out. They noticed. <laughs> yeah, they were gone for two days. Was, oh my God. You're pretty worried. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of a long time. Yeah. Longer than anybody wants anyways. Yeah, well, and I, yeah, I was, we, yeah, I, we didn't have their, their collars on them either because they had recently chewed one off because they always are fighting with each other. I mean, and for fun. Mm -hmm. So I was worried that they were going to get shot by someone. They'd be harassing someone's cows and sure. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's a watch. Mark Shepard shoots your dogs. I'm like, I guess I had that one coming. <laughs> I would have been surprised if it would have been him. Although Why I did that? a story about him, uh, threatening to shoot, uh, shoot down. There's these paragliders. They guys will get an, like it's a motorized parachute basically. Okay. So they got like a big fan behind them. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, and they fly, they, they jump off the ridge up, up there somewhere and, and they fly around here quite a bit. And I, uh, I heard at croquet a story about Mark that he, uh, called the police and said, next time one of those guys flies above my farm, I'm going to shoot him down. <laughs> so the police came looking for him and the neighbor kia uh said oh no mark's just talking shit he's not going to do anything <laughs> so the police said okay well if you you know we had to come out because you can't just say that but they, they left him alone that's hilarious yeah man that's funny um now i'm thinking like man when we hit the road next year i'm gonna have to like like I'm already headed to Wisconsin mm -hmm. um, area for uh, to to help some people out. Just don't know when. I'm gonna have to swing by your place and see if I can check out Mark Shepard's place and then also Peter Allen's place. Like just hit up. Like yeah, you're the third person in Wisconsin I've interviewed. Like you're the most out of any state so far. It's like uh, it's I, great. Just just like. It, it's a great state um, that I that I, I was actually born there and I don't need to go back <laughs> to live or but or did you spend any time in the drift list though 
Um, I was born in, now let's see. Nope. Born, lived. Where did we work? I We moved we, when I was like two. Okay. Like the the Crescent, the Cross area. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's like the area, um, I was born. So, uh -huh. so nice. that was fine. Um, yep. Yeah, okay. I'm, I got that map pulled up. Lacrosse is right, like almost right in the middle of the driftless area. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that and that's okay. Oh, you're um, going to swing by when you come through the area. Yes. Yes. Got to swing by. Cause it looks, those pictures actually look cool. Like you were saying, it doesn't look like Wisconsin. When I think Wisconsin, yeah. it doesn't look like that. Um, so yeah, it looks, looks flat and mm -hmm. boring in my mind. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's a super cool area and right like in the County we're in and then the couple just to the East or to the West of us, um, there's a ton of small organic farms like organic valley is is a big national uh brand for organic i think mostly dairy but i think they do some other stuff too their headquarters is real close in a little town called lafarge nearby um and it's a it's a co-op and so there's just like this is a this is kind of a hot spot for small farms permaculture kind of stuff um sounds like it yeah pretty cool area yeah yeah man it'd just be really cool to like you know um meet a lot of people in that area because it's just like mm -hmm. seems like a hotbed like you said so yeah um on a friday you can play croquet too <laughs> is that the one where you have I, I I don't I don't remember what are you trying to hit a ball through like a metal hoop or something? Yeah, there's there's like nine wick or I don't know how many, but it's the wicket set up in like a figure eight, and you you work your way okay from the wooden mallet and a ball, and you work your way around the court. There's a lot of rules and a lot like yeah, it gets pretty complicated, but that's that's the gist of it is you're hitting balls through. I don't wicket. like a lot of rules. Well. When we go to Top Golf, like uh, whenever we like go to like Colorado to visit some friends, uh, I just smack the heck out of that ball, and uh, like that—that's good enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you can I don't do want that. that is a strategy. <laughs> okay, would it be Mark Shepard approved? Uh, I don't know. You'd have to just see what happens, I guess. I guess, yeah. Well, I bet I'm surprised Mark Shepard hasn't thrown a croquet ball at those paragliders or whatever we're calling them. Yeah. That'd be a safer alternative than bringing out the shotgun. Or maybe he's got like a potato gun that shoots croquet balls. <laughs> so what has been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced? Uh, biggest challenge I think is not spending tons of money because every because there's like tons of little challenges and there's always a solution that you can buy or at least you know something that's marketed as a solution and maybe it doesn't actually work well um but that's a great way to just like spend all your money really fast and so figuring out ways to 
um, I mean, probably the, the biggest specific challenge is, is keeping water uh, accessible to animals through the winter because um, it just gets so cold and, and uh, our, our solution is <laughs> buckets and hammers to break the ice, but that's pretty labor intensive. <laughs> so trying, trying to like uh, the, the bigger challenge there is that trying to figure out like a system that isn't crazy expensive, that still works. Um, and, and part of that is figuring out where to put the waterer. Part of it is just reading about every kind of solution for the, you know, every, everybody's who lives in a cold climate is do, trying to figure out how to, how to solve this. And mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to have like a real energy intensive solution that's going to drive up my electric bill. So one of the things on my list this week is to try to build a little, a little passive solar waterer that might work most of the time. And, and then maybe I could like pour some hot water in there on really cold days to, to, if it's insulated, maybe that will keep it, keep it from freezing. Um, sure. but yeah, just all that, all that kind of stuff. Like there's, there's always like something you can buy to like, I, you know, I could buy a fancy heated waterer that's really right. pricey and it's not, that's not the only thing, the only problem I need to solve. So trying to figure out a cheap way, um, to, to just, you know, solve these, all these little problems. And right now water is the one since we're coming, heading into winter water is the one that's like top of mind. Right. Yep. Um, man, I've got like five questions and I lost them all. There's a, oh, the first question, what design are you thinking about doing for your passive solar water? Uh, did you say I, solar? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, the, the basic idea is that you have, uh, an insulated box with a window on one side and then inside of it is, a uh, your, your water tank and it's, okay. it's gotta be black or painted black, whatever, or, you know, so it traps heat and, or absorbs heat rather. Uh, and then, and then you have access points so the animals can actually like get to the water. So um what i have right now i've got i've got two things that i might use one is a a black tub that's kind of i don't know if it's quite the right shape um but it's a, it's a good size so i might try cleaning that off real good and and seeing if that would be um hmm. good as my okay. water tank and then building an insulated box around it and i've got windows any time my parents bought the house across the street and are renovating it and took out a bunch of windows. So I've got all these windows just stashed in every little nook and cranny. I can store them. Right. So, so I, I, I've got, I've got the glass wall. I need to protect it from animals breaking it, but, but we don't sure. have anything with like, you know, we don't have horses or cows that are going to kick it. So just goats that's, that'll stand on it. <laughs> Right. They're little goats. So they, gotcha. they, yeah, okay. they, they jump though. It sounds like a cold frame, but for water. 
Yeah, basically. And, okay. And it, I mean, it's it's insulated on every side except for the the one with the glass. Um, and that's just trying to trap as much heat. You 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 know, paste put that facing the south. So and, the glass is actually facing like is on the side. It's not on the top. Right. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. That is interesting. Um, there's a. I have no idea how it works. I've never actually seen one. I've just heard about it. There's a company uh, in this in a town near me that makes a thing called a geo drinker, where it's a uses geothermal energy for livestock like waters. And oh, that's cool. um, I'm I I've heard of one person that's had one for like twenty plus years and. It, uh, has never had an issue, and the person that I heard it from, like they just bought one. So I then this oh, specific cool. person, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow. Um, he's a general contractor that we do work for, and so I'm going to ask him about it, see if he's put it in yet, and if it, um, if that was before last winter, if he's did it this year, so he's getting ready for like this winter. So, but yeah, it's I didn't I think I looked it up on the website. And there wasn't like pictures of it or whatever, but it had like a price of like eight or nine hundred bucks. I'm like, you know what? If it lasts twenty years, uh, that doesn't seem that bad. For like, if you don't have to have any sort of um, energy intensive, like intensive, like input, uh -huh. like whether it be electric for like a stock tank heater or, I guess, some other means. To yeah. like keep your animals water from freezing. I don't know. It seems like a good, good investment to me. Yeah. What's it called again? Geo drinker. Okay. I'll send you a link. I don't know if they ship. They probably do. It'd be smart if they did. Uh, if they don't ship, I'll, uh, I'll bring it to you. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll, I'm not cheap when it comes to transportation. I'll just tell you that. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll send you a link. Actually, I'll even put it in the show notes so everyone okay. can everyone can share and know about that. Um, what's the best part about homesteading? Um, man, the best part. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that the best part is having uh, it, it, it is all the opportunities that this is created for our kids. We've got two kids, Elowen and Dominic, who are 10 and almost six, respectively. And they, for one, I'm just living out in the country, they can just run amok and, and do, all, you know, they play in the woods, they make up goofy games and use their imaginations all the time. And it's, it's awesome. And I, I love when I can you know, observe them where, where they don't notice that I'm there and just hear their ridiculous narratives that they're, mm -hmm. you know, they tell each other what's happening and then tell each other what to say and uh, all, you know, it's great. But then they, they also like are getting, they don't, they don't realize that this is weird, but they're so comfortable with so many different kinds of animals. Right. Uh, they, they took over the chicken operation 
they we used to give them an allowance and we kind of stopped doing that but um they use their allowance money to buy some chicks and now they buy chicken feed and they sell eggs to us primarily um <laughs> grandparents come they sell to their grandparents but they do all the chicken chores so um that you know that's a cool opportunity for them they got to see the piglets get born a few weeks ago nice um and it it's just you know not that's not something you can really do otherwise and you know maybe if you have a pet that has like a dog that has puppies or something you could have a similar experience but um that's that's my favorite part of of this is is just all the stuff that they get to do and experience and learn um and and i'm excited for them i mean i i love it i love i love being out here uh and i like taking care of animals um i like one of the things that was on our list when we were when elise and i were talking about um what like we were we were making a list of like what what are the must-haves and and things we'd like and things we don't care about in a in a property in a house the top two things on my list were dark skies and quiet and we live on a dirt road and we can see the milky way more often than not so it's we get we got both of those and there you go and it's awesome like it's not actually that quiet right now but the noise is bugs so that right that hits a little different it does hit a little different yeah, yeah. it is um i kind of forget all the bugs from the midwest because like yeah. you know um obviously born near you where you are now and then like lived in minnesota up until like five six years ago uh -huh. and so like you guys the midwest has so many bugs yeah and uh it's kind of annoying so but right now i can't even see the mountains from my deck uh i know first world problem <laughs> but like it's so smoky like it's insanely uh, smoky right here i mean it's like for the for the last week i haven't smelled it just because like i'm just like so used to it but like today it like got way more intense like oh wow like weird that i can smell it now oh yeah um yeah it's kind of weird it sucks but it's just part of living here so well get this uh nobody's gonna believe me but it's true i mean this is held for two summers here now we don't have mosquitoes in this valley. Okay, you're right. I don't believe you. That it's is true, though. Oh, it's that true. is a lie. No, there's mosquitoes in this part of Wisconsin, obviously, but in our valley, we just do not have them. We have a, a about like five thousand bats that live in our shed, and I think a couple in the eaves of our house. But, um, like in the in june there's biting flies and other than what that kind, what kind of biting flies like horse flies and stuff i think the, i think they're deer flies i'm not sure deer flies? I'm not okay my yeah. expert um they're annoying big, big flies that hurt like heck when they bite you yeah yeah they're they look regular size but they well they look a little bit more like robotic than than the house robotic. Yeah. okay a little more evil a little more evil other i we were visiting we went we went to some friends uh who have an old apple orchard and we were picking apples the other day and i got mosquito bites there and i was like what the hell is this and i remembered mosquitoes but right 
you just forget that they yeah. even exist until you experience them. Yeah. yeah. Dude, if you're telling me that you live in a valley, like in like that, that is honestly one thing that uh, truly sucks about the Midwest is well, pretty much everywhere yeah. is uh, the, the mosquitoes are just off the charts. And like, yeah. we, we barely have them here, so, uh -huh. which is pretty sweet. Um, but now you're making the Midwest actually sound kind of cool, which is hard to do. Well, so, at least. Higgins Creek Valley or whatever this is called. Higgins Creek is the creek that starts here. I don't know if the valley itself has a name. Mm, okay. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look that up. It's like, wonder. so what is, let's say someone wants uh, to live in the Driftless. Like, what what's property going for out there? Like, do you have any idea? Like, is it like 10,000 an acre or something? I don't know um, about just land. I, th I think 10, yeah, I don't know. I, I won't even say because I, I have no idea. Uh, what I will say is there's there's just not a lot for sale. Um, Probably for good reason. Nobody nobody wants to sell. Yeah, and and there's not that many like there's not that many properties. It's it's a it's a sparsely populated area. There's a lot of farms. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of people have like bought up tracts of land to use as hunting properties. Right. We're close to big metro areas relatively, but. Like there's great deer hunting around here. So, um, yeah, I, stuff, stuff is pretty pricey. It ha doesn't seem to have really gone up since last year. Um, but there just aren't a lot of things on the market. Um, but if you're, if you're, if you're the kind of person who could like move into a real fixer upper kind of house, there's, uh, there's a few good good spots. I, I check into Zillow every now and then and, and there's there's some nice stuff. Actually I just pulled it up actually and uh dang there's some cheap it's cheap and like I'm looking I, I just Googled Higgins Creek and I don't know if like Wisconsin, I don't know if this is accurate whatsoever, but I just looked up then Richland County, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Um you can get forty acres for hundred and thirty five thousand. Okay. You can get some crap hole house. It looks like it looks like it needs some love, like a lot of love. Two bed, one bath for forty nine thousand. That's kind of cool. I don't know how big the lot is. Where's or that? You can get, uh, Blue River, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and you can get like this three bed, one bath house, and for sixty five thousand in Richmond Center, Wisconsin. So there's. I should say, yeah, I, I was thinking of places with land, but yeah, if you're looking in town there, I think there are some pretty affordable options. I mean, yes, obviously with land, that would be pretty sweet. I don't, I'm not seeing exactly how much land you get for the $50,000 one, you get half an acre. So not bad. Yeah. It's something. Mm -hmm. So Man, that's kind of cool. Apparently, I'm moving to Wisconsin, so you talked me into it. One My thing wife's not going to be happy. One thing you got to watch out for is uh, floodplains. That's true. That is true. Yeah, but still, still worth looking into. I I can't speak highly enough about the area. Um, did you guys have bad floods at all this year? No, uh, we have. We our our valley is a pretty small watershed. Um, but I don't even, there, there was, I think there was a one time that there was a bridge kind of flooded out nearby, um, in the spring, 
there's been some really bad floods here in the last handful of years, but, mm -hmm. but this year wasn't so bad. Good. Well, that's good to yeah. hear because it seems mm -hmm. like everywhere had like super weird, like 500 year, like flood events or whatever. So yeah. like, um, so in your, your area, how did you find community being, being new to the area? How did you find it and what kind of community? Uh, so we got, we've kind of found a few different places to plug in. Um, really the, well, I guess the, the first thing that we did, uh, we, well, my mom met our neighbors and then told us we should, we should reach out to them because they had uh, a son who was our son's age. But my, my parents were up here when we, when we were scoping out properties and then we moved here and they were, and they kind of caught the bug. And so they started looking around at properties. And so they met all our neighbors before we did, cause they were That's scoping funny. the place out. Yeah. So it was a little weird, but, um, but they're super nice. So that, you know, it worked out. So anyway, we, we met these, these neighbors up, up the ridge here and, uh, there's turned out their son ended up being in my in our son's class in school mm. last year and we started doing a just a weekly like we had them over for dinner and then they had us over and we and we started doing like a weekly uh thursday night dinner um and that and that was like our our first kind of foray into you know actively trying to get connected to some people here uh the k club has been actually uh a pretty great catalyst like that's where we 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 showed up we heard about it um it was actually mentioned in that james howard kunstler book that i hmm. read that led us to this area in the first place we didn't mean to move down the street from it um but after we moved in we realized it was right here and uh they you know they get together every friday and play and it's in the summer it's like kind of just like a party and in the winter it's let's play a game and get out of here because it's freezing sure. but um just we just started going to that showing up and um and kind of hit it off with with the people who are regulars there and that you know we just went kayaking with with some of the croquet folks uh last weekend and um and then i guess the other the other avenue that we've found uh to be really helpful is uh, the school. We we have a great school district here. We're actually technically not in it. We're we're in the Richland Center School District, but that's 25 minutes away, and Kickapoo is 13 minutes away. And Wisconsin has open enrollment, so you can just enroll in any public school. Um, so we we enrolled our kids at Kickapoo because we didn't want to drive an extra 20 minutes a day. Sure. And, and we had heard such good things about Kickapoo. So, um, so yeah, so that I, I, it sounds ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> what does the, the <laughs> name Midwestern <laughs> names? Oh yeah. yeah. Kickapoo. There's just, there's so yeah. many just ridiculous names in the Midwest. I can't, yeah. I can't take uh, it seriously. The river that runs through this area. Um, but yeah, so we, I started going to school board meetings, um, and and then 
kind of found out through that that they were really hurting for substitute teachers. So I um, was talking about that with Elise, and she thought, well, I, you know, I, I'm a, she's a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, our kids are in school. She could she could go sub. It's not like she'd be it'd be an, it'd actually be convenient. She could take the kids to school and drive them home. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so she's been subbing a couple of days a week. And um, for one thing, like that's a great way to meet, uh, you know, school district uh, folks like teachers and, and, and whatever. But, but the other kind of fun thing is like, we'll be out and about and some kid will just come up and give her a hug and that kid's parents don't have any idea who she is, but she's like, Oh, you know, I subbed in her class or, uh, and, and so it's, it's a way to meet people. And, um, you know, you really, you really get to know what's going on in the community, uh, when you get to observe kids in a school, like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not always great. Like there's some really, shitty stuff that she has to see. And um, I mean, there, I mean, I think she even, they had to call, call DCFS for a child abuse issue uh, this week. But on the side, she's, she was that kid sub and got to be uh, uh, a safe, caring adult. Sure. For him. So, that's been that's been a pretty cool uh, way to get connected. Pretty, I feel like that kind of accelerated things for us because you know we're really new here. But um, but as soon as you're like vital to helping the you know the the, the school, right? Yep. You know you you get accepted pretty fast. No, that's a that's a good point. Um to be needed. Yeah. So, yeah, we're like, we're people like maybe not, not so like strongly word, but like, you know, they have to come to you for something. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's helping it out on the circumstances. Yeah. And it's, it's a, we're, we're so lucky to have like a really great district. And like, I, I could go on and on about the different things they have but like they have for being a small school like it's k through 12 in one building and there's i think each class is like you know maybe 30 in a grade so like classroom is like 12 to 15 kids um and they have the coolest shop class i've ever seen (laughs) um and just like all, all kinds of stuff that we like about it but um having that like i've we, we both feel like, well, this is a huge blessing that we've got this here. What can we do to help keep it so that, you know, it, it stays amazing. Sure. Yeah. An easy thing to do in this case was sub for a couple of days a week. So why is community important? Oh man. Uh, this would be such a lonely lifestyle. <laughs> Other like I I work from home. I don't like I like my coworkers, but it is not the same to just 
talk through Slack or Zoom. Um, and you know, we're out in the boondocks. We wouldn't see anybody. Um, sure. I wouldn't see anybody. <laughs> Elise at least goes to the store. But right. uh, yeah, so like, um, so that's one thing. Uh, I I think it'd be easy to get just to, to just drown in all the multitude of things that have to get done around the place. Like there's always a long list of things that ought to get done. There's always right. a shorter list of things that really have to get done. Um, and without, you know, connections to other people, it would be really easy to just kind of like burn out on, on, pigs and gardens and and whatnot yeah but instead like i go play croquet and then they say hey we're going kayaking tomorrow and i'm like well that sounds way more fun than building a passive solar water tank so let's do that <laughs> um right and and then i i think another thing is like uh you know for the kids they you know they need some avenue to like meet and play with other kids. That was, that was part of the problem with the last couple of years in Champagne is that all, so many of the avenues for them to interact with other kids were shut off. Fortunately we had, you know, a handful of friends who we could get together with, but um, they, you know, Ellen, my daughter has been, she, I, I, I think she went to like three or four birthday parties this summer, just kids in her class. Um, they, you know, they get, they get to have a social life that's beyond just mom and dad who are okay, I guess. But, uh, right. But yeah, just we, well, and, and also, you know, not just other kids, but like, um, our, our friends from the croquet club took Elowen and Dominic kayaking earlier this summer when Elise and I couldn't go because we had some stuff we had to do, but they just took the kids for the day and they had a great time. Um, Good. And yeah. now, they've got other adults in their life who are uh, just loving on them and, and trying to uh, teach them how to kayak. How is it? You said it was down like a creek or a river. I was actually down the Kickapoo. So uh, like river, yeah. So you know they got the current; they can just kind of glide along. They don't actually have to like work that hard, kind yeah. of right. Okay. Right. It's it's pretty easy. Uh, it you know basically you just you have to you have to guide your boat because there's branches that come down and stuff in the river, but. Sure. Um, but yeah, you don't have to work that hard to to move. So okay, I was just yeah. curious. Like, and it's it's shallow, and so you can, you know there's little beaches everywhere where the river bends. And oh, okay, so gotcha. It's, it's good for swimming too. Cool. Yeah. What would you tell people that want to get started? Um, started with. Homesteading, gardening, livestock, anything. Like, do they read up on it? Should they overthink it? Should they just get into it and figure it out as they go? 
Um, I think the biggest thing is uh, to not bite off more than your budget can bail you out of. Um, I think biting off more than you can chew a little bit is okay. Uh, I, I do that all the time <laughs> and, and, and stuff works out or it doesn't, but, uh, but when you take on something like that, you might have a, like, I don't know, even just buying a place is like, okay, you, <laughs> you have a mortgage now and it's, it's probably bigger than a regular house cause the, there's some land attached to it. But, um, just be being acknowledging that that a lot of things are going to go wrong stuff's going to break stuff's going to um not work out like the tutorial video you watched or the book you read and and you need this cushion of like room for failure that that isn't going to be really expensive and and sink you because it's one thing if if something just if your garden just sucks for a year that's okay mm -hmm. um but if you uh i mean animals are a little bit more a little bit more uh tricky because you know you don't want to just let them die I'm, I'm okay letting my tomatoes die i'm not okay letting my pigs die uh from neglect um right yeah but, you gotta get out there yeah but like you know if you if you buy some expensive piece of equipment that that something goes wrong and it's expensive to fix otherwise you have this just giant paperweight that's not a good position to be in so um so yeah i mean my ba basically uh have have a good cushion in your budget for for failure and don't don't overextend yourself financially because that's when it really starts to hurt i think right i'm i'm okay with projects failing if it's free <laughs> fair <laughs> enough <laughs> no i get it yeah, yeah i was just uh i rented an excavator for three days this weekend and um if nothing like all if if I don't do anything with all that dirt I moved, well, then I just played with dirt for three days and that's kind of expensive. Um, yeah, I see your point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like low tech solutions to things are really great because, because when they fail, you're not out that much. Right. Right. Yeah. Just go with the cheap and dirty and see how it goes. And if you need to upgrade, then upgrade. And mm -hmm. yeah, I get, yeah, no, that's a good answer. I haven't got that one yet. So I like it. So uh, let's, you, you've got six pigs for sale this October. Um, yeah. What else do you want to, did we, did we, was there something that we, you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to or something we didn't cover or touch on? Um, I don't know. I have pretty high hopes for the Alina basketball team this year. <laughs> um, I don't know that, uh, I think we kind of touched on all, all the stuff that we talked about. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I am not a sports guy, so any of the any sports right. talk is just going to go like right over my head, and uh, my eyes are going to roll back. But that's fair. That's we all fine. have our shortcomings. I know, and with me being literally short, like that's that it fits. So, <laughs> um, well, hey, people can follow you at Victory Illinois on uh, Twitter. Is that is that that's the only one, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, and it's about to get pretty, pretty sportsy for, for a few months. Um, All right, I'll, I'll meet you. That's fine. I do have a uh, a renewed commitment to post more photos, so hopefully that'll of farm stuff. Yeah. So. All right. All right. I'll 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 just mute certain words from you, like whatever you, you said, Alina, or whatever you said. Yeah, you might want to mute Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Yeah. I save most of my vitriol for Michigan. Okay. Okay. I don't know how to do that, but I'll set it up. We'll figure it out. (laughs) So, Hey man, it's been, uh, it's been great, uh, having you on it. Uh, I really learned a lot to be honest. It's a lot of fun. The, the area that I like was like born in and raised like for the first couple of years, I didn't know any of that history. No one told me that. Uh, I mean, it seems like I missed out. It's a cool area. So, (laughs) Well, hey, man, uh, it's been good talking to you. I uh, hope you keep in touch and maybe I'll swing by sometime. Hey, sounds great. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. See ya. Bye. Let's see here. Where are my notes? My other notes. Here we go. Nope. Other notes. Other, other notes. Holy crap. Get your stuff together, Matt. Okay, there we go. Thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. You can check us out on Fountain FM Podcast Player. You actually earn Satoshis just for listening to podcasts, at least for now, anyways. And you can tip your favorite podcaster, content creator, uh, right inside the app if they if they have the wallet set up. You can check out our website, farmhoplife.com. You can sign up for our latest, uh, like, you can sign up for our email list and Telegram channel there to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MeWe, and Float. You can email me anytime, matt at farmhoplife.com. Uh, we've got the 20 by 23 project coming up. Uh, where we're going to help out 20 homesteads in 2023. You can learn more about that. Uh, I'll have a link down in the show notes. And to support the 20 by 23 project, we're selling shirts. This week's shirt is uh, the Eagles shirt from uh, Life on Milo's Farm interview with TJ. So you've got the Australian wedge-tailed eagle versus the American bald eagle. Um, And the wedge-tailed eagle is more superior in just about every way. So, um, yeah, support support the project. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. And I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you want to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, regenerative agriculture, alternative building methods, or anything else, uh, just go to farmhoplife.com slash guest and fill out the form. Go feed yourself. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away. Left family and friends, all I got now.
now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. We'll come to your farm to help and to wander. Me and the family, a truck and an RV, send us a message and there 